If your Bibles aren't already open to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'd invite you to turn them there now. Uh, as always, we want the focus to be on God's Word. It is what has the power to, to save us, to nourish us, to build us up, to help us be who God wants us to be. And so we want to look into God's Word as a mirror today. Uh, it is a, a, a joy and a blessing to be here. Uh, we, we have many more people uh, online today because of some of the, the numbers that have gone up, but it's a, it's a blessing that we're able as God's people, to, to come together in one way or another, to spend this time in, in worship and in being nourished by God's Word. Today, I want us to consider this passage here from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, as Paul gives Timothy some instructions on teaching the rich, instructions to the rich. And, and you might, when, when you see that title, th- think, okay, well, this lesson's not going to apply to me. Uh, you know, maybe even with, with uh, the shutdown with COVID-19, some of you have been struggling even financially. You don't, you're not doing as well as other people around you. But as we start this lesson, I want to put things in a little bit of perspective. Who we're talking about when we're talking to the rich. The U.S. considers an annual household income of 26000 or less for a family of four to be poverty level. But according to statistics from World Population Review, out of 131 countries listed, 109 out of those 131 had a median household income of less than 26,000. That means 109 out of those 131 countries average under what we consider to be poverty level. In fact, Uh, If you were to take the median household income worldwide, it's around $10,000 per year. That's less than half what our country considers to be poverty level. And so if you don't think that you're rich, maybe we need to think again. Uh, I I think any of us in this room, uh, you know, most of us probably woke up this morning in, in some form of air conditioned home. Uh, took showers with, with running water, probably with, with warm running water. Uh, most of us probably opened up a refrigerator today to, to get our, our breakfast. Many of us drove here to the building in cars that, that we own. Uh, or many of us may be accessing the assembly online through mobile devices or, or computers through local Wi-Fi networks that we have. Brother, we are all extremely rich. In fact, we're probably richer than anybody that Paul was instructing Timothy to talk to when he wrote this. We, we have been abundantly blessed. And so, as we look at this lesson, I think this is something that we all need to hear. Uh, and certainly these, these principles are principles that are going to apply to anybody and everybody. In fact, no matter where you are in the world and, and where you are on a socioeconomic status, uh, these lessons still apply. But maybe uh, for us here in this country, they they apply uh, especially to our situation. What what does Paul tell Timothy to instruct those who are rich in this present age? Well, first, he says we need to set our hope on God. Look here in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. 
The rich are first warned against a prideful or arrogant attitude, an attitude of, of overinflated view of their self-worth or overconfident attitude towards the security and the, and the value of what they possess. Our confidence and our hope needs to be in the giver and not in the gifts that he has given. We must cling to the unchanging character of God who is the source of all blessings, not the uncertain and quickly shifting values of earthly riches. He he uses the phrase here that they are to set their hopes, not on uncertainty of riches, but set their hope on God. Notice here in 1 Timothy, if you go back a chapter to 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 5, here Paul talks about those who are widows indeed or truly widows. And notice how they're described there in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 5. It says, she who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. And so here, this true widow who has no income she can rely on herself, who has no family members who can take care of her, she's left alone, she has, has learned the lesson, we're told, of setting her hope fully on God. She, she recognizes that, that her dependence is fully on God, and it shows in her prayer life as well. Day by day, she's not fretting and worrying about where you know, her provisions are going to come from. She is entrusting all of that to the Lord, taking it before his throne. But you know, that is the exact same phrase that the rich are told they need to have, that attitude. Here, this widow may be very aware of her dependence on God because she can't depend on anything physically or anybody in her own family physically. It may be tempting for the rich not to have that attitude. Think, well, I'm doing pretty good. I I have all my needs provided for. I don't need to rely on God that way. Well, what Timothy, what Paul is telling Timothy here is, no, the rich need all the more to recognize their dependence on the Lord. We need to have a deep and abiding awareness of our utter reliance upon God for everything. Uh, Even if we have a nice, cushy retirement fund, that can't be where our hope and our security lies. We need to recognize just how uncertain riches are. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4 and 5, we're told, Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Here, riches are quickly fleeting. The harder that we work for it, the more that we fix our eyes on it, the more that it is certain to flutter away out of our grasp. Riches are not described as the the loyal guard dog here, who can be trusted to always come back home. Here, it's it's described as as the, the flighty, Bird who, you know, if you accidentally keep a window open, it's going to be gone for good. That's the way that riches are. They can't be trusted. They can't be relied upon. They are quickly fleeting and passing. We see this in the life of Job. Remember Job, who was greatly blessed by the Lord and had great wealth all in the matter of a few moments, in the matter of a few verses. All of that is taken away. We ought not to think that that can't happen us. In fact, the instability of our times with COVID-19 should just remind us how uncertain our jobs, how uncertain our income, our our, uh, retirement is. Uh, We need to recognize our dependence upon the Lord, to set our hope on him, because God 
is not uncertain. God is unchanging. There is no more secure foundation and refuge than Almighty God, the creator of the universe, the giver of every good gift. And James chapter 1, verse 17, James chapter 1 and verse 17, we're told every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. It's called the, the Father of lights there. He is above all the, the, the stars and the sun. And then it uses this phrase, with him there is no variation or shifting shadow. Uh, the, the heavenly lights are constantly changing in their relationship to the earth, right? Um, and, and from our vantage point, the sun is constantly moving in relationship to, to us. Obviously, it's us moving. Uh, but the shadows are, are grow, getting smaller and then they're growing. Even the, the stars in our night sky are constantly moving from our vantage point. And yet with God, there is no variation. There is no shifting shadow. Uh, he remains constant. Whatever time of day it is, whatever the weather is, God is unmoving in his relationship to mankind. His character is unchanging, is constant. He doesn't, you know, have a bad day where, you know, oops, that, that, I, I did that thing that wasn't exactly what I intended to do. He doesn't make mistakes. God can be relied upon in a way that nothing else can. I, one of Aaron and I's favorite movies is, is the, the Beauty and the Beast, the Disney movie. And, and there's uh, the kind of title song of Beauty and the Beast where it says, Certain as the sun rising in the east. Tale as old as time. Uh, well, here this, this illustration for us in James 1.17 is that God is more certain than the sun. More certain than the sun rising in the east is that God is never going to change. His faithfulness is abundantly more certain. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, we have these two principles kind of brought together to us. The uncertainty of riches and the faithfulness and security of God. Here in Hebrews 13, starting verse 5, it says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my help. I will not fear what can man do to me. Do, do you see the contrast made there? Uh, it, it might almost seem to, to be kind of odd to put these two things together. But when, when we see this concept, why is it that we can be free from the love of money? Because God is faithful. Money is going to forsake us. Money is quickly fleeting. It, it is going to pass away. And yet God is unchanging. God is faithful. We don't have to rely upon the riches of this world because we can rely upon God. God's, God is always there to take care of us. Money is not. And so we need to seek first the kingdom. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. If we seek first God, we can trust that he will provide. He is the source of every blessing, the source of all things good. But if we seek first the things of this world, we can be certain that they will forsake us, that they will pass, that they will not last. But if we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, not only do we see that we need to set our hope 
and our security in God. But he goes on to say in verse 18, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Those of us who have been greatly blessed financially need to see our gifts as opportunities to serve. The richer we are in earthly possessions, the richer we should be in good works and in generosity. The blessings God gives are not intended simply for our personal enjoyment. They're intended to be used as tools within his service to equip us to serve and bless others around us. You see this concept in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, here in context, we're talking about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And it talks about some different areas of this transformation of character. And it says in verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Why is it that we are to work diligently? Why is it we are to work hard? He gives us a purpose statement there, so that... He can stand on his own feet so that he can be independent and self-sufficient. Is that, is that what it says? So that he can, can store up for himself and make sure that he's provided for. No, it says so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Any blessing that we have, any resource that we possess, God has given us to use. Not simply just for our own personal self-indulgent enjoyment. And yet, is that how we view our paycheck? Is that how we view our our bank account? If if we get a raise or if we get a a bonus, do we think, oh, great, now I can use it for what I've been dreaming about. Now I get to go on that vacation. Now I I can buy that that car or or that accessory that I've been wanting to, to buy. Well, God tells us when we've been blessed, the first thing that should come to our minds is now I can greater serve. Now I can greater minister to the needs of others around me. That, that's his, his purpose in giving us those things. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I have some excerpts from this up on the screen, but I invite you to turn your Bibles over there with me. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 8. Here in verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You see that language there? You see all the the purpose statements in the text? You know, God is able to make all grace abound to us, having all sufficiency in all things at all times. You You see that language of abundance of what God has given us. But why has he given us all of that? Doing that, that you may abound in every good work. God's not just blessing us for our own personal enjoyment. He is equipping us for his work. He describes this as giving seed to the sower. And God gives us seed that we might go and sow it, that we might increase the harvest of his righteousness, that we might shine his light. 
Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Any gift that I have been given, any ability, any resource, any opportunity, God hasn't just given me for me. He's given me that I might use it in his service to shine his light, to serve others in need, to share the things that he has given. Uh, Imagine for a moment, most of you here uh, know my my brother Eric and his wife Jennifer, they they used to to live here in Pittsburgh. And uh, in a couple weeks, Aaron and I, Lord willing, are going to travel down to Missouri and we're going to be able to see them. Imagine for a moment that one of you heard that we were going to go see them and you said, well, I have this gift that I want you to give to Eric and, and Jennifer and the kids. Uh, will, will you take it down there for me? But, but imagine that Aaron and I took that and we, we misunderstood and we were, started thanking you for the gift that you had given us and how much we're going to enjoy it and how much we appreciate it. Well, you say, wait, this isn't for you. I'm giving this to you so that you can go give it to Eric and Jennifer. And yet, is that what we sometimes do with God's blessings? God has given us these things, not just for us. He's given these blessings to us with a purpose, with a purpose of us going out and using them in service to other people. And we're saying, oh, God, thank you for this. I'm really going to enjoy it. We need to recognize that anything God has given me, ultimately, Well, I can thank him and I I can enjoy that. At the end of the day, its primary purpose is that I can shine his light, that I can serve others around me. And certainly riches within themselves are, are not a bad thing. But we have to remember they are gifts from God to be used for his purposes. You've probably heard it said before, money is the root of all evil. But that's not exactly what scripture says. If you, if you go back to 1 Timothy 6, the passage that we were looking at, and, and go a little bit earlier in this passage, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, notice what it does say. It says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. You see what it says? It doesn't just say that money is the root of all evil. In fact, as we saw earlier, that money can be a seed to be sown. It can be a resource that God is giving us that we can use it in his service. But the love of money, he says, is the root of all kinds of evil. What he's addressing here is not just a bank account problem. It is a heart problem, an attitude problem of how I view those blessings that God has given me. And I don't say this to to make lightly of the danger of money, the danger of wealth. Certainly, wealth within itself can be a great temptation, a great snare that Satan uses against us. But at the end of the day, it is a heart problem that we're talking about. A heart problem that can plague us whether or not we have that wealth in our possession. And it, it doesn't ultimately help anyone to, to foster kind of a, an uh, American guilt uh, of the blessings that, that we've received. It's, it's not that just by the fact that we have been blessed, we're, we're automatically not being who God wants us to be. Um, 
But while God has not called us to a vow of poverty, while he hasn't called us to, to run away from physical blessing, God has certainly called us to make sure that any gift he has given us, we're using for him and we're using for other people. If God has blessed me with a car, praise God, let me use it for him. If God's blessed me with the ability to, to purchase a house, praise God, let me use it for him. If, if, if I am able to take vacation time uh, with the job that, that I enjoy, let's make sure that I'm using that time in a way that's going to glorify God and fostering the type of relationships that he desires for me to have with, with my family, with others, and serving others with that time that I've been given. And so if you make 15000 a year or 150000 a year, if you're a five-talent man or a one-talent man when it comes to finances, we need to make sure that we don't desire riches, that we don't set our heart on them, that we don't love money. We need to use what God has given us in his service. Because ultimately God, you could say God doesn't bless people with wealth. He blesses people with the gift of generosity. He get, blesses people with the opportunity to use what he has given for others. That's how I need to see any blessing that I've received is it's an opportunity, it's an ability, it's a talent to be used in his service. And so if God has blessed me with, with riches, if God has blessed us in this country with great riches, let's make sure not that we're, we're shying away from that or running away from that or avoiding that, but that we are using it. We are using it for his glory and for his service. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse 19, he goes on, having said in verse 18 that we are to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. He says in verse 19, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Just as we are to set our hope and security in the present on God, the giver of every good gift, we must set our hopes for the future on him as well. There should be no greater longing in our hearts than to dwell for eternity in the presence of God, the source of true life. As we take what he's given us and use it in his service, we need to recognize that we are investing in something much greater than anything that this life has to provide. Because there is ultimately no future and earthly wealth. If you look earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 6, Paul writes, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Brethren, there is no real benefit, there is no lasting benefit to the accumulation of wealth. In the end, we are going to go out of this world the same way that we came in. We are going to, to come before God naked and bare, stripped of whatever it is that we have accumulated in this life, to stand before him in judgment. It's not going to matter one bit what my socioeconomic status was here on earth, all that is going to be left behind. And all that's going to matter is my relationship with the Lord. 
This is a lesson that we see Jesus teach in a parable in Luke chapter 12. In Luke chapter 12, he tells us what we often call the, the parable of the rich fool. And I want to start reading together in verse 15 here. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Here the the rich fool had a plan that... Sounds a whole lot like our modern conception of a retirement plan, right? Here he has more than he needs in the moment. And so what am I going to do with this? This is a big problem. I don't have, you know, I don't have barns that can store all this. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And I am not going to have to work. I'll just be able to enjoy this for the rest of my years. Well, what does God say about that? says, you fool. This night, your very soul is required of you, and you can't take that with you. It's not going to benefit you one bit. True life is not found in the enjoyment of these physical possessions and joys that we have here. True life is found in being rich towards God, something that will last far beyond the day of our death. You know, there are very few things in this life that are certain. James calls this life a a, a vapor that is quickly passing away. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We we don't know as we, you know, may in our younger years dream about what our life is going to be like. We don't know if we're going to get married. We don't know if we're going to have kids. We don't know if we're going to get the degree and the job that we are, are hoping to get. We're not in control of all of this. But you know one thing that we can know A hundred percent. This life is not going to last forever. You are, you have a 100% guarantee of death. Whether it be before Christ comes or when Christ comes, us being taken away, we know that this life here on earth is not going to last forever. That is a hundred percent guarantee. And so we are foolish if we lay up our treasures in the here and now. Because we can't take any of that with us. If we truly want to prepare for the future, prepare for eternity. Not the few good years that you might be able to experience after you finally reached retirement. Because eternity is a whole lot longer Eternity is a whole lot longer than anything we can even conceive within our brains. Let's make sure that's what we're preparing for. James chapter 5, if you want to turn over there. 
again warns us against this idea of laying up treasures here on earth. This is another passage addressed to the rich. And yet, uh, these rich don't seem to be handling things quite as well as those who are instructed there in 1 Timothy 6. James chapter 5, starting in verse 1. James says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded, and their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. Notice what James says about storing up wealth for ourselves. Here, he's describing the the miseries that are coming upon them. And that's not normally how we think about the rich, right? The the rich are living it up. they're, They're enjoying everything. Here, James puts this in perspective for us. And what are their their miseries? Well, all those things that they work so hard for, all those things that they've been storing up, they're rotting. They're corroding. They're just gathering dust and and fading away. They're becoming moth-eaten. And he says there in verse 3, their corrosion will be a witness or evidence against you. What what does he mean by that? Why why is the, the corrosion of their wealth going to witness against them or be evidence against them? Well, it's evidence that they haven't been using what God has given them, right? Here, it's, it's just they're collecting dust. It's just they're corroding and, and, and getting rusted and fading away because they haven't been using it for the intent that God gave it in the first place, right? Is that us? Are we just storing up everything that God has given us and, and storing it up for a day of slaughter, he says? You know, he describes them there in verse 5. They've lived in luxury and self-indulgence. And yet, that's not going to benefit them. Is that, is that us? You think, you know, have we become so deceived that we think that feeding on all of this luxury and all of this self-indulgence in the here and now is actually for our benefit? Satan's deceiving us, and all the time he's fattening us up for a day of slaughter. It's not going to benefit us. Because the day is going to come where all of that is taken away, and all of that is just going to contribute to our destruction. That's not a pretty picture. Fattening our hearts for a day of slaughter. But brethren, that's the only future that awaits those who set their hope on earthly pleasures. It's not going to end in fulfillment. It's going to end in one way or another with all of that either now or on the day of our death being stripped away from us. We can't set our hopes. We can't lay up our treasures here on earth. This is what Jesus addresses in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We have another option. We don't have to lay up our treasure here on earth. 
we can take all that energy that we've been using and, and you know, compi compiling our own retirement plan and our own toys and our own enjoyment and our own vacations. We can take that energy and we can direct it towards laying up treasures in heaven. Towards using what God has given us for him that we might have an eternal dwelling place in God's presence for all eternity. And that is not going to be hindered by death. That's going to be untainted by evil, untouched by earthly corruption. It's not going to rust. It's not going to become moth-eaten. It's going to last longer than anything we have ever experienced or seen in this world can last. It's going to bring eternal fulfillment, eternal joy, as we dwell in the presence of the source of all things good, God himself. Our every possession, our every ability, our every opportunity needs to be channeled into God's service, focused on pursuing his will, accomplishing his purposes, his goals for our lives, reflecting his character and his glory. Only then can we take hold of true life, eternal life. And so what about us? What about you? What about me? As we look into the mirror of God's word, brethren, there's no question that each and every one of us who sit here today are richly blessed. Uh, that what, what we even consider to be poverty in this country, in many other countries, would be great wealth. What are we doing with that? We need to have a, a healthy fear <laughs> of what that can do to our souls. We need to make sure that we aren't seeing those blessings as things that God has given us just for us. Anything that God has given me is a tool to be used in his service. And in that way, I can look forward to an eternal home, an eternal fulfillment and joy. Where is your treasure today? Where is your heart? Are you laying up treasures in heaven? If you recognize that you have set your hope here on earth, if you recognize that you haven't been using the, God, the gifts that God has given you in the proper way, then we want to invite you to, to allow God's word to do its work within your heart. And if there's some change that you need to make, and if there's any way that we can help you in that change, that's why we're here. If you've never committed your life to the Lord, and you recognize your need for salvation, Know that Jesus died so that you could have your sins washed away. And if you're willing to confess your belief in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, as we saw today in Acts 2.38, you can repent, you can leave your old life behind, you can wash away your sins in the waters of baptism, you can be raised to live a new life, to have the gift of the Holy Spirit, to have God's presence and his fellowship within your life. If you need that, and there's anything that we can do to help you with it, if you're not sure exactly what you need to do, won't you talk to us? Won't you let us, through the scripture, guide you towards the Lord? If you have any need of a public nature that you need to make known at this time, we ask that you'll do so by coming to the front as Dave leads us in a song.